So breath. When you think of uh, breath, what do you think of? We'll get to that. So if you turn in your Bibles to Second uh, Timothy chapter 3, and it'll be up on the screen as well if you don't have that. But just back to that video that uh, Hal, we saw before, right before Hal prayed for us. 500 years ago, on Tuesday actually, October 31st, uh, 500 years ago, a, a revolution started. I mean, it, it had the, the brewings of such had come before that, but it really was ignited when Martin Luther nailed his protest to the, to the Wittenberg door. Um, many before that had died, just simply trying uh, to translate the Bible into uh, a language of the people. At the time, it was all in Latin, and only the scholars would know Latin. Only the priests and the scholars. And so the common person couldn't turn in their Bible to, to, to a passage. And so they would read Scripture, and, and, and they would read these passages, but nobody understood it. And, and, and the church killed people because they, they didn't want to give the power of God's Word to the people. They wanted to keep it for themselves. And it was revolutionary. And so every Protestant church, whether it's Baptist, Pentecostal, Presbyterian, Lutheran, or Methodist, or whatever, all of us are a part of that heritage. We turn in our Bibles and we read. And uh, so um, we're talking about breath and God's Word this week, uh, in the next few weeks. And so just real quick, by the way, last week several times I said uh, one verse. that We're going to be looking at one verse. I was misspeaking I meant one sentence because <laughs> we're actually looking at two verses okay I'm not I'm really not that dumb most of the time anyway uh but we, we're looking at two we're gonna be looking at these two verses over the over the next three this week and two more weeks so it's a four-week series kind of chopping through uh these two verses in this one sentence and so read with me together hear God's word all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would, uh, you, this morning, that you would speak to us in your word, through your word, by your word. And that, Lord, this morning, uh, we would see ever clearer uh, the good news proclaimed to us in your word. And so, Lord, speak through this broken vessel, because... Nobody cares about Russell's thoughts and opinions. They came to hear from you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So breath. When you hear the word breath, what do you think of? I know what I think of immediately. I think of bad breath. And each of you guys got a, um, a mint in your, in your chair. Okay. Uh, and that was for a reason. Uh, because we all have a, we, you know, we, we struggle with this issue all the time, right? We struggle with bad breath. And some of us have some techniques to make sure we don't have bad breath. You know, we go, <laughs> anybody do that before? <laughs> try, to do a, try to do a breath, you're like a self-breath test. Just not, and it's amazing because if you try to do that, no, our own breath never smells bad to us unless it's really, really bad, right? So, but we always often say that. What do we say? Please do something with that breath. You know, you know the honeymoon's over when it's like, honey. Woo, put that breath away, please. Oh, Lord, right? 
Uh, and so we gave you a breath mint today. Now, so this, this, just so you get your price's worth in this sermon today, I'm going to give you infinite wisdom right now, okay? You're going to think, man, I, that's all I needed. Here's the, I'm going to give you some advice this morning. And you're going to be like, yes, I needed that. Okay, here's the advice. If somebody offers you a breath mint, take it. Take it. They might be suggesting something. So, okay, that you're welcome. You can thank me later for that advice. Okay, uh, breath. When we think, if somebody, you know, breath is essential to life, though. And so we, we start talking about breath. It's something we have to have and something we don't normally think about. And what we, we uh, and so we saw last week is that spiritually we all breathe in and always are breathing out spiritually. We're always taking in something. We're breathing in something. It may not be good, you know. A breathing's great until you live in a toxic, polluted environment. Then breathing can be deadly. And so um, what we see is, is that God's word the vintage grace here, we believe that God's word is essentially the breath that you need. Um, and here, um, in this passage, we are told by Paul that scripture is actually breathed, breath, the breath of God. Alright, and so just to give you a quick main idea, this is what I want to go today, is, is that Scripture is immensely valuable to us because it is the very words of God spoken to us. So I want to see if I'm going to. So I want to look at a few things: the, the remarkable nature of God's word, and how that remarkable nature of God's word uh, should should really challenge where we stand with it. Right. So the first thing we need to see is what we see in these verses. Really, it's the phrase, God-breathed. That the scripture is God-breathed out, okay? So we need to see, first of all, the remarkable origin, beginnings, or the origin of scripture. Okay? We la- asked last week, what is scripture? We just, when Paul says, all scripture, we, we kind of st- wanted to stop and say, what does that mean? And we, we saw last week, it means the 66 books of the Old and New Testaments. And that those scriptures came about over thousands of years with different writers and so on. And we saw the remarkable nature of God's word because who, how, if you were to put together the greatest authors throughout world history and you put their works together in a volume, it would be all kinds of um, different ideas and opinions. And it, would have, it wouldn't tell a single story, but that's what we see in scripture. We also ask, is the Bible, these 66 books, the Word of God? That's a big question. And we, we, we kind of dealt with that question. Now, here's what I want to start us off with this morning, though, and say that it is possible to say that the Bible is definitely the, you know, the Jewish, Hebrew, and Christian scriptures. And it's even possible to say that what they say is true and that they are historically reliable. Okay? But it's quite another thing to say that these 66 books are the Word of God, right? And so um, there's a big difference there. All right? Here in this letter, Paul says, all Scripture, 
is God breathes. In the translation here says, um, it's, the translation in the ESV says breathed out by God. But what Paul does here is he takes, uh, the Germans do this too. They'll take two words and just smash them together and make one. And that's what he does here. He takes the word God and he takes the word breath and smashes them together. God breathed. A thing that is breathed by God. And this word really in its essence means that God actually spoke scripture. So if it's breathed out by God, that means it's, it's been spoken, it's been given by God himself. It originates from God himself. Okay, so we call, they, they call this inspiration, the inspiration of Scripture. And not, it's not the idea of, oh, God got inspired one day and whatever, but rather it's that it's been breathed out and originated by God. So they call, we call this inspiration of Scripture. And it means that God takes words of human beings and makes them his own. Okay, so a good definition here is inspiration is a divine act of creating an identity between a divine word and a human word. So what Paul's saying here is pretty remarkable. Is that the words we read in scripture. These words aren't just human words. They're actually somehow God's words. It's a pretty astounding statement. You know we could say oh well Paul. You know he knew Jesus and he you know, was inspired by the things of Jesus. So he wrote these things. But they're basically human words. And they can, and with that comes, you know, the error of human nature and all that stuff. But what Paul is saying here is much greater is that these words, the words of the Bible, are actually God's words. Now, so, if the, if the Bible is God-breathed, if the Bible is God's words, then what about, so how, do, how does that work? How does it work with humans? You know, the, the humans were obviously involved. What is their role in it? What is, how does God work its out? And that's been a debate that's gone down throughout history as how does God interact with the writers of Scripture? And some have said, oh, well, God just dictates it to them. And so Paul's sitting there writing his letter and, God, and God's telling him what to write specifically or whatever. And I don't think that, I mean, you really don't get that. Because you really, when you read Paul's letters, or you read the Gospel of Luke, or you read any one of these passages, you see the thoughts and opinions and the realities of a situation or whatever, or a story. Um, and, and so if it was just dictated by God, it would all just sound the same and be the same, right? So, so somehow God is using humans. So there are places in the Bible that is there where there, God did dictate Think of Mount Sinai, Revela- the book of Revelation. Some, there's some other places, there's a, just a few places where, yes, God dictated. As a matter of fact, in, in, uh, on Mount Sinai with Moses, he, he literally wrote it down for him. So the finger of God wrote these commandments out or whatever. But most of Scripture, that doesn't seem to be the case. Um, the rather, regular pattern is actually that God appointed biblical writers to be prophets, apostles, sometimes associates of the apostles, and and those writers wrote what they wanted to write. They wrote what they chose to write. However, in some sense, very real sense, God used that 
to say what he wanted to say. And, and that's why when you read these different books and gospel, that's why if you read the gospel of Matthew or Luke, it's going to be it's diff- very different than the gospel of John or book of Revelation or the Psalms. Even the Psalms, there's different writers of the Psalms, and they're different and because of that. Now, why would God do that? Okay. Well, actually, uh, we're, but we're told, even though, okay, uh, in 2 Peter chapter 1, even that that's the case, we, we see this, this proclamation, this statement about God's word. It says, no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, Okay? For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So which is it? Is it God speaking and, and guiding? And, and yes. Which is it? Is it God speaking or is it them speaking? Yes. It's, it's, it's one of those either ors where we answer with a yes. Um, I, but I don't know exactly how that works. But what, here's what, what God does is he uses the different gifts, styles, and perspectives of the writers to give us not, here's, this is uh, John Frame, a theologian, he uh, teaches down at RTS, and, and his huge theology book he produced a few years ago, it's really good too, the more I get into it, the more I like it. Um, he points this out, he's like, God's using all the differences, the opinions, the situations of these writers, not just to give us information but rather to give us the tone, the emotion, um, and, and the, the, the deeper realities of the truth. Um, and so, and so the, these guys were, were, God was using the styles and perspective of men and writers to give us not just information, but a tone, emotion, and perspectives. For, so, in other words, yes, we got the Ten Commandments, and God could have just given us a rule book. He could have just given us truths that are just laid out in, in, you know, just straight out form, list form, you know, and some of us like lists, okay? But C.S. Lewis points out, and when he was defending his use of narratives and stories and, and fantasies and so on, to, to, you know, he was writing these things, a lot of people criticized him and said, well, you know, that is, you need to write prose, you need to write serious stuff. And C.S. Lewis defended his use of these stories, like the Chronicles of Narnia and so on, we love so much, right? He's, he defends the use of those stories because he said this. He said, some truths you can't just talk about, you have to experience. Right? There's some things I could tell you about love. I could describe it. We could make a chart about love. We could have spreadsheets about love. But you don't know love until you've experienced it. And so C.S. Lewis, wanting people to grasp the deeper truths of the gospel, writes Narnia. And some of the stories in Narnia are some of the ways that like, I personally really see the gospel in deeper ways. Like when he tears the scales off of Eustace. Or um, when Shasta has the lion walking alongside of him. And, and, and thinks this lion has been chasing him down for his, for, to eat him. Instead, has been chasing him down to help him. Right? And there's so many more of those stories. Um, and so what, what's going on in the scripture is we're getting deeper truths through the stories and through the personalities and the differences of these writers. So when you read the story of Jesus' life in the Gospel of Matthew, 
You experience it in one way. And you go to John, and you experience it in a very different way. That's beautiful. Um, another, another illustration of that is, uh, we, we looked at this several, like last year I think it was, um, the book of Philemon, excuse me, I can never can say it. The book of Philemon. And you think, what is this the weirdest letter? It's like Phil- it's Paul writing to Philemon that he would receive Onesimus, his, his former slave who's run away or something, and receive him with grace and love and so on. And you wonder, okay, why is that in the Bible? And then this, what we saw was it, was it was gospel community being lived out in front of us. It wasn't just, he wasn't saying, okay, love one another, receive one another, just forgive one another. He could have made those statements, and he does at places. And it's in, in that letter, we see it lived out in front of us. We see an example. We see it lived out in story. And that's the beauty of why God would use, really, in, in most cases, broken, messed up humans to convey to us his works. I think that's remarkable. I think that's amazing. But what, so bottom line is that Paul's claiming that Scripture, though it's the human words and thoughts written out in the, in the Bible for us, is actually the words of God. So what does that mean for us? Okay, it means, okay, that it obviously has a remarkable beginning and origin comes from a remarkable place but also that the scriptures have immense value so we see the immense value of the bible of the scriptures okay okay so let's talk about breath again you all love it you like breath you know and bad breath is horrible it's bad and that's why we gave you a mint because we wanted to help you out there um bad breath is bad but you know what's really bad dog breath Right? Like the dog runs up and uh, man and I were like hugging and kissing each other the other day on the, like, lay, she came over, I, I was laying on the bed and she came over and my eyes were closed and she was looking that way and I opened my eyes <laughs> the dog's face was like right here. <laughs> I was like, oh, it was like, oh gosh. How about ruin a moment, right? But like dog breath is the worst, like, Right? But let's contrast dog breath with maybe puppy breath. Something really appealing about puppy breath for some reason, right? It's, 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 it's great. We like love little puppy breath, but dog breath, once they get older, it's like, oh, please. Do something with that dog's breath, please. So, but, you know, so here's the thing. I want, to get you, I want you to point out here. The originator of certain breath is very important. You with me? Where breath comes from is very important. So if you have halitosis, or you have a stomach issue, or something of that sort, your breath is going to be bad. With me? You know, so breath from a puppy is really different than breath from a dog. Okay, so this is a simple principle here I want to lay out before you guys. Okay, here's the thing. Where breath comes from is bad in humans. Where breath comes from spiritually also really matters. And here's the words and the breath of this world 
And of the enemy, it has bad halitosis. It is not good for you. And there is no amount of breath mints. There's no amount of covering up, making it, you know, dressing it up or whatever. And, and the world certainly tries to do that. But in the end, it is bad breath. It, it, it leads to death ultimately. Okay? But God's breath, on the other hand, when we talk about God's breath, what are we talking about? We're talking about life. Think about breath. Think about God's words throughout Scripture. You see in the beginning, it says God spoke. And the Hebrew word very much has the idea of breath. And, li- and so out of God's mouth comes life. Let there be light. Boom! A universe. And then God cre- forms man out of the, the dust of the earth. And it's really this intimate picture where God stoops down into the earth, into dirt, into the mess. And it says, he breathes life into the humans. So our very life comes out of God's breath. And we see that God has created all things. It says in Psalm 33, 6, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their host. So what comes out of God's mouth? Amazing breath. Life-giving breath. What comes out of God's mouth? Creation. The universe. Creativity. Love. Beauty. All that is good. Comes out of his mouth. However, not everybody thinks that. (laughs) Right? Not everybody thinks that what comes out of God's mouth is beautiful and lovely. Um, in some ways, you know, and, and really, if you, if you think about the Bible, no book in history has ever been more opposed. There's places in this world today where you would be put to death just to have a Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, bring that up for me. We see this contrast, we see the difference of response that people have to God's word. We see this, but thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. And he's talking, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. So what he's saying here is, he's saying the gospel, the the word of God that's going out, is being spread like a fragrance. It's a smell, (laughs) so so to speak. Back that up for me real quick, okay? Okay? So they're going out, and as God's people, we go out and we spread a fragrance or a smell. We can use the word smell. Fragrance is, is not neutral enough here. Like, we spread the smell of the knowledge of him everywhere. Keep going. Okay? For we are the smell, the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Keep going. For, the, for to one, the fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? So in other words, what he is saying is the gospel is, is it's a fragrance. It's a, it's a smell. And to some, 
It is the smell of death. And to those in Christ, it is the beautiful fragrance of life. See the, the, the contrast there? I love it. It works really well for my sermon theme here, doesn't it? So which one are you? Which one are you? Are you does God's word smell of life and beauty and goodness? Or is it the fragrance of death to you? It's a good question, isn't it? Is it a sweet-smelling perfume? Or does it smell like decay? And here's the thing. You cannot be in between on that. It's one or the other. Um, and that's why there's this undeniable claim of Scripture. This undeniable claim, this decision that has to be made when we come before Scripture. Because of its claim, we have to say yay or nay. There's no in-between. We, we, we have to cross one gap or go across the other. Because the, the Bible claims to be none other than God's very word. It's God-breathed. That's the claim. And it's not just here in, in Timothy. It's throughout Scripture claiming not just to be words of men and so on, but to be God's very word. So, this leaves a tough dilemma. If the Bible didn't claim to be the very word of God, we could say... That the Bible is at least useful. It's inspirational. It gives us some things that we can, you know, some positive things and whatever and so on. And, and let me tell you how many people look at Scripture and say, um, oh, that's, that's nice. You know, it's got some good stuff in it. It's pretty inspirational. <laughs> the problem with that is, is if God's Word claims to be God's Word, the Bible claims to be the very words of God, it can't just be just an inspirational book because it's lying. It's false if it's not God's word. Right? So it's either it's God's word or it's wrong or it's lying. It's deceiving us. There, there's no in-between. And many try to stay on the fence with this but the reality is, either we receive it as God's word, or it's a hateful lie. That it would claim to be God's words, and it's not. So, we're left with this dilemma. And so the question is, is it God's word, or not? Is it a sweet fragrance to you, or is it the aroma of death to you? Does the Bible reek of lies and, and error? Or is it of truth and life? We get, do you get a lot of junk mail? Y'all get a lot of mail? We, it's funny because we, because our mailbox is like in the, down the road. It's kind of like a community mailbox. We'll go sometimes days. I, I hate to admit it sometimes. A couple, a week or more sometimes. And I'll go over there, and I'm, it's shoved in there like you wouldn't believe. I have to, like, pry it out or whatever. And I take this pile of junk mail home, and I'll throw it on the counter, and I start the sorting process. Y'all do this, don't you? And most of it's trash, 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 right? Trash, trash, trash. Oh, Bill. Bill. Oh. 
trash, trash, bill, trash, right? Okay? And, um, and we just, we got to go through it like most of it doesn't matter. The bills we try to put off and the rest we just kind of, right, or whatever. And, and when I was going through it the other day, I, I was just re- thinking through this little process. Like, and it's interesting the value I place on certain things over others. Some of the things I just have to keep, you know. Ah. And some of them are just, it's just garbage. However, I can remember um, man, when I, I was just dating Amanda, we were falling in love and all this. She went to Romania for like a week or two to work in and and we couldn't talk on the phone text messages didn't exist no internet I mean the internet hardly was invented by Al Gore by that time dating ourselves here and uh I can remember my approach to mail was a little different I I couldn't wait to get home run to the mailbox to check see see if she sent me a letter right Certainly wouldn't have let it go a week or even a day. I was there. I mean, as soon as I got, I checked it five times a day. Like the mailman would come again or something, you know. I mean, wore the hatch off the thing. And, um, you know, you see the difference of perspective. And, and diff- Here's the thing. Why? It's not junk mail. It's not even what I'm obliged and have to deal with. It was a love letter from my precious big difference and and how we come to god's word do we, let me ask you is god's word junk mail or is god's word is god's word just bills and obligations that you have to deal with at some point oh i gotta go check off that oh i gotta read the bible today oh is that what it is or is it a love letter from your precious is it a love letter it, let, me, let me say, it is. Can I just say it? It is a love letter to you from God. God, who from before creation had this story, had these words with him forever. It was one of the things in that, that theology book I was reading is that was saying that the word of God is not created. The word of God has always existed. Isn't that interesting? The, the word has always been. It was always with God. God doesn't, God doesn't create the word when he speaks the word. He just speaks it. It just goes out from him. But it has always been. And this word, this, this story has always been that God before creation would eventually um, would, would begin to create a people for himself. And they would rebel. And then he would send his own son. To live a li- Remember, y'all know the story, live a life that we couldn't live, we can't live. Because we're broken, we're fallen. And that he would die for us so that we could be in a love relationship with him. That's the story. And, it, and I remember when I would get a letter from Amanda. And romance was in, you know, oh, romance was good, you know. I got a letter, woo! And I, I wouldn't just read it and like, pfft. No, like, I'd reread read it and I'd reread it. Oh, what? It, and I, I would parse it. I would like try to see the different nuances. Oh, I wonder what she meant by that. You know, and ah, oh, and I would just relish in it. That, that is how we come to God's word. 
It's a sweet aroma, and we want to we toss it and turn it and look at it in different ways. And You know what I'm saying? I want to go through it fast one day. I want to go through it slow. I want to piece it down. All these different approaches to reading God's Word and so on. Here's the question. Is God's Word a sweet aroma, or is it decay? Is it His love letter, or is it junk mail? If it's God's word, it should be beautiful to us. And there's, there's a challenge in that, isn't there? Now, I, I, let me just go ahead and admit, reading's tough. If you're reading ancient writings, that part's hard or whatever. And there is a work element to it. But the, as we get into it, his word, it's the very words of God, they will bring life. Words of God in the Bible will bring you life. And so one of the challenges we've had for you guys is, if you'll go to the next screen, is that you guys would get in God's Word. So we come up with, try to come up with an easy way for you guys to do this. Um, and so what we wanted to do is, hey, let's do a, a us read together. And so the challenge is you would go, um, you, you can go to any Bible app if you want, but we thought, hey, let's do the same. Let's, let's jump in and give people a place to start. And if you go to uversion.com, this is the web page. And over here on the, the, the right, you see a button. You can download a free Bible app for pretty much any device you have. Okay? Okay, so go download it. It's totally free. Download it. Um, and in there, you can select Bible reading plans. And okay? But go in. Find the Bible reading part. It says plans. Search the essential 100. It's a 100-day reading plan, and it'll kind of take you as a skim across the entire Bible. It's usually like a chapter, maybe two chapters a day, or part, part of chapters a day. It's a very short reading for 100 days, and you will, it'll kind of give you a nice little overview of God's Word. And yes, we can dig in. But a lot of us, what a lot of us do, we'll start the Bible plan that wants you to read the Bible in a year. And we get to, like, Leviticus, and you're reading, like, three or four or five chapters of Leviticus, and you're like, oh, my God, I can't. And none of us can, can you know, we end, up, we end up failing. Okay? So here's the thing. We're, gonna, we're asking you to start somewhere and then begin the process. And this is a really easy way to do it, okay? So there's the challenge. Jump in with us. I've been doing it. It's been, it's been really good. I've been really enjoying it. And there's also, here, here's the thing, too. It'll read it to you with this awesome, you know, nice, uh, some, some guy, famous guy, whatever. It reads it to you. I mean, you don't even have to actually read it. You can just listen to the guy read it to you. So there's no excuses here, okay? So there's the challenge that we would jump in and, and be into God's word. Let's, um, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you um, because your word is life. It is the beautiful, the, the beautiful aroma of life given to us. And that life.